Here we are in Strasbourg again, and we are Judith Bunting, MEP from the southeast of England, and... And Caroline Foden, MEP for the southwest and Gibraltar. So, Caroline, what's been happening this week? Well, we thought our life was busy before, but it just <laughs> seems to go from... The, it's just off the scale at the moment. We uh, So we left Brussels on Thursday, rushed home, had a quick turnaround. I had one night at home and then went to Bournemouth on Friday went to Lib Dem Party Conference. Uh, you may have heard our special podcast that we did on Sunday morning at conference. So I stayed at conference until Tuesday afternoon after hearing Joe Swinson's speech, literally ran out of the hall, jumped in a cab, went to Heathrow, got to Strasbourg at midnight, and we've had a crazy day and a half in Strasbourg and flying back home today to get to Devon normally don't fly but this week's been a bit exceptional (laughs) (laughs) and you fell into Brussels out of Gibraltar as well I mean so you've done Gibraltar Brussels Bournemouth and Strasbourg yes yes I'm having a weekend off this weekend I might send a couple of tweets from my sofa but apart from that I'm not going to do anything to do with politics for three days I'm yes. really excited I've just heard that I, I had a flight for some reason at five o'clock today and um basically business stops at, at midday on Thursdays in Strasbourg so that people can travel home to their constituencies and um, I don't quite know how I'd ended up with a flight at five but if you've ever sat in Strasbourg airport this is not hanging oh, out yes it's not hanging out in a nice lounge there is a cafe but there is only one cafe and it's a very small it's like a a freight airport almost anyway so I've just been in touch and said please can I go home earlier um anyway so I'm now flying at two and likewise absolutely exhausting Mm. couple of weeks but it has also been really energizing yes that's true and really uplifting I mean for me conference was just amazing I've been to a few and there were 5,000 people there. There were 900 new members there. The hall was absolutely packed. And the highlight of the whole thing, really, was Jo's speech on Tuesday afternoon, which everyone had been waiting for because it was her first as leader. And she was a phenomenal. I mean, this is a woman who has rapidly grown into the role and she held the stage. She was witty. She was sassy. She was strong. She was passionate. And the most exciting thing for me was that she talked about a wellness budget. And she had this line in her speech where she said, why should we judge the success of the United Kingdom on GDP, which just measures money? Why are we not judging our success on how healthy our children are and how happy people are and how creative we are and how much we're improving our environment and working towards saving the planet and all that kind of stuff? So she's going to do a wellness budget as well as a a, dra- a financial budget. And um, just as Jacinda Ardern has done in, in New Zealand, she was the first global leader to do a wellness budget. And I just think it's inspired and it's... And it's it really is. And- it really is because, you know, GDP, it's so dry and so dull and misses the point so often. And that is one of the things listening, you know, I know, I'm sorry, I'm going to have a go at the Brexit party again. But um, so the Brexit party are all businessmen. And I was listening to them talking in the chamber, and we'll come back to this later. And they're talking about everything in terms of money and business. And I know I talk about business a lot, but I care about business because it employs people. That is the reason that, that business is important. There are so many more things that matter than GDP that I look for, really look forward to this. Yeah, 
And the constant kind of growth, this this growth thing that we have to keep growing and growing and growing and growing in terms of GDP, we can't. We can't sustain it. The planet can't sustain it. That's true, but there is the sobering fact um, that uh, we're, we're all living longer. And if you're going to have the health and social care to look after people as we all get older and survive for longer, then the economy does have to grow because we didn't, I, I don't like this, um, but it's a, a necessary fact of the all, fact we're all living longer. You've got to have more people paying more taxes to pay for more services. Um, and yeah, I don't actually see a way around that yet, but I agree with you. Years ago, there was a program called um, no, John Harvey Jones went to went round businesses, and I remember him going to visit Morgan, um, and the idea was he would put businesses on the right track. And Morgan were doing very well with small small business, but fabulously. Um, well-performing, high-performance sports cars, you know, the classic kind with the long nose. And um, and he told them they had to grow. And they said, we don't want to grow. We're successful. We're, we're fine. We're ticking over and we like it like this. And he said, no, 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 you've got to grow or you won't survive. And that, yeah. And I just thought, why? Why? Why did why? they have to grow? Um, but for the, for the country, it's harder. But valuing wellness, valuing poverty or lack of poverty, valuing education is massively important and that will be positive. Yeah. Anyway, that was great. And um, what was the, what was your takeaway from conference? Um, I did a lot. It's the first time I've been there with a particularly creative educational brief. Mm-hmm. So I really enjoyed that. And these are things, you know, obviously close to my heart as well as to my committees. So I also took part in the education debate um, where Leila Moran was proposing things called personal education and skills allowance for every individual in the UK, where everybody will get a sum of money to spend on training or education or further courses um, at 25 years old at 40 years old and at 55 years old. And I think that's inspired, partly because of the money and the training, but partly because it gives you motivation to get out and get training. Mm. Anyway, so I spoke on that and I, I, I support what Layla was doing. And I was delighted that that got passed virtually unanimously. And I think that's new thinking. Yeah. Um, it, it's you know, new thinking in a way that we need and we don't get very often in politics. So that was my big one. Great. I think that sounds really exciting. And also, you know, with the advent of AI, jobs are going to be changing so much. So people yes. are going to need to retrain. Yes. You know, the old job for life in the bank is just <laughs> not going to be anymore. No, that's true. And at 55, I mean, even if you are lucky enough, you know, that you've done quite well and you've got a pension, you know what? When you're 55 or 60, how about you try starting a business and employing somebody else? Yeah. We talk about youth training quite a lot. But... I reckon that we should be encouraging older people who have pensions to do that little business that they've always dreamed of and then hire two or three people in the local community. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, let's come over to Strasbourg, shall we? Let's come over to Strasbourg. So, yeah, the first thing... Well, the main thing we've done this week in Strasbourg is vote on a Brexit resolution. And uh, obviously we voted on a Brexit policy um, at the weekend as well in in Bournemouth. So we'll just have a little chat about the B word because I think for the next few (laughs) weeks we're really not going to be able to avoid it, are we? No, that's right. That's right. And over here it was, this was a motion put forward by the Brexit Steering Group, which is led by Giva Hofstadt. Um, And it was a very curious experience because this is the European Parliament's position on Brexit, which of course is not necessarily what even our position on Brexit is, which made it a very 
it, it, it's a very good motion. Um, we, the text is available on, online. Everything about the European Parliament is available online. Um, so you can find the text and read it if you want. And it's very reasonable. Um, we all supported it. We did support it. And the, what happened was we, we, had, we started with a debate. So um, uh, Jean-Claude Juncker and Michel Barnier presented to the whole plenary... Um, the, what the Brexit steering group had discussed and, and why they had come up with this resolution. And then it was debated and MEPs from across Europe, all parties joined in and lots and lots and lots of people spoke in favour of, of there being the possibility of offering an extension, um, which which was great for us to hear. And, yes. and that's um, the first time I think it's it's been formally passed that a long extension, so long as there is a purpose with, with a general purpose, election yeah. or the possibility to revoke, it's certainly the first time the word revoke has appeared in any European um, policies, or to have a, a, another referendum, a people's vote. And that was formally approved. It was formally approved. I mean, there was huge opposition from the back of the room. The Brexit party, were they were just awful. You know, they were shouting and barracking and yeah. just being completely, utterly obnoxious. Um but apart from them, there was there was huge support for it, and we vote we all voted for it. We did have a discussion beforehand. Some of us felt that if we voted for a motion that even mentioned approving a withdrawal agreement, it might look back home like we were voting in favour of leaving the EU with a deal or in favour of Brexit. And it wasn't really that at all. It was basically accepting the reality on the ground that this is where we're at, and if an agree if a deal is agreed, it needs to be a deal that absolutely fundamentally secures the rights of the EU citizens in the UK and protects the Good Friday Agreement. And that's what it said. And at the moment, we we both, we all made speeches afterwards. They call it explanation of vote. Um, so it's to describe to to you people at home, to you know people for me in the southeast of England and for you in the southwest, about how how we voted and why we voted. And my point was that if you look at all those 16-year-olds who couldn't vote back in 2016, um, apparently three quarters of those would now vote to remain. Mm. And I think that it's taken so long to get to this stage that we need another referendum or a general election, but we need a vote so that the young people whose lives are going to be affected more than anybody else's have the chance to make their voices heard. So, and what I wanted to make clear was that, for me, for us Liberal Democrats, that if there is a withdrawal agreement agreed, then it should go back to the British people, either in a general election or a referendum, but in some manner of vote that will allow the young people who have come of age since the referendum to make their voices heard. And the motion itself allowed for that possibility. Yeah, yeah. uh, Caroline, so... um, you spoke in your speech at the end about Scotland and England, but you're MEP for the South West. Tell me why you're talking about Scotland. Um, I am. Well, I was born in Oxfordshire, but when I was four, I moved to Scotland and I grew up in Scotland and didn't leave Scotland till I was an adult and came back to England. So I feel very much, as I said in my speech, I'm a child of two unions. I'm a child <laughs> of, of the United Kingdom and also the European Union. But, you know, I, I do feel... Partly Scottish, even though on paper I'm not. Maybe one day they'll allow me to have a Scottish passport. But 
I just, you know, I spoke passionately about about not wanting to see the breakup of the United Kingdom because I think it would be a tragedy. And, and you know, I think Scotland is the country that, that would thrive. I think yes. Scotland would go its own way and, and hopefully join rejoin the European Union. And um, I like the Scottish approach to, to politics and to life. And I would say that in many ways it's it's more akin to a Scandinavian approach than an, than an English political approach. And, and I think we would see the gulf grow between the two countries. And I think it would be really, really detrimental to England and Wales to lose Scotland. Oh, and it would be awful. It would be awful. So it would be I, awful. Yeah. Sorry, I... Uh, I like England, Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland. It's the UK I grew up with and I have no reason to want to see that change. No. I think it would be a crying shame. And it one of the things that really disturbs me about the whole Brexit argument, whether I'm looking at Boris Johnson and Dominic Cummings or the Brexit party, is that they just want to win. It, it seems that they have lost sight of what Brexit is going to do to the country. You never hear them arguing in favour from the success point of view. They never say it's going to be fabulous for the British people. I mean, one of the other MEPs, one of the senior, one of the group leaders, I'm sorry, I can't remember his name, said that he was he was aware of plans for 30% of British business making plans to leave the UK. That is a stunning figure. We will try and fact-check it and find out whether mm. it is absolutely true. Um, You're right, but, though. It's the only thing they care about is winning. And, you know, yeah. this, it, was, it was the will of the people in 17... I mean, yesterday, one of the Brexit party, in his speech, he said 62% of the people in Kent voted to leave. No, they did not. 62% of the people who voted in that referendum voted to leave. But a third of the people didn't even blooming vote. So, you know, a third of the people voted to leave, a third of the people voted to stay, and a third of the people didn't turn out to the polling station at all. It is not 62% of the adult population. And I just... So I did actually say that at the beginning of my speech, and it didn't make it onto Twitter yet, but we're keeping the clip, and it will do one day, because I just think we have to hold them to account. They spout this rubbish, and it's just basic, basic... Rubbish. Rubbish. <laughs> Sorry. Well, on, on a very small level, and this is being nitpicky, but one of the Brexit party tweeted, how come I only got one minute to speak, Nigel Farage got two minutes to speak, but Guy Verhofstadt got seven minutes to speak? <laughs> well, you know why? Because Guy Verhofstadt is part of the Brexit steering group and one of the senior people involved in... Presenting in, in, the blooming resolution in, that we... Yes. Oh, Just what? You yeah. know, have you no idea... I mean, the real question should be, why did Nara and Nigel Farage get two minutes rather yeah. than just one minute, given they are not part of a political group? Yeah. And that's because nobody wants to work with them or they don't want to work with anybody else. Anyway. So I'm just very quickly, before we wrap up, going to, to just do two sentences on yes. the, Lib Dem res- the Lib Dem policy that we passed on Sunday, oh, yes, because okay. that was after our last podcast. Yes. Um, so we passed the resolution to say that if we get into a majority government, we will revoke Article 50. And I am absolutely thrilled. And I do not buy into this argument that, that it's undemocratic, because no. I think if we get such a staggeringly high number of votes that will put us into government, then that is the will of the people and the people will have spoken. And there are only so many times you can get people to vote and vote and vote and vote again. And the other thing is that... 
this was always going to be our policy. It always was, was our policy. Say, yes. So if a Liberal Democrat government came in as a majority government, it would be ludicrous to think that yes. they would go to Brussels, renegotiate a different Brexit agreement, come back, campaign against it, have a <laughs> referendum. <laughs> and then if if the yeah. if the yeah. people vote, still voted to leave, that that Liberal Democrat government would, would leave no. the... I mean, it's just... It, it makes, doesn't make yeah. any sense. It doesn't. Our campaign has, our, our position has always been to stop, stop Brexit. Brexit, even, and, and we would support a people's vote. If we don't get a majority in government, we will, of course, Absolutely. and we still do support a people's vote. But within that vote, we will be campaigning to stop Brexit. We have always been campaigning to stop Brexit. And as you say, if we get into a majority government, it would be crazy to think that we would be doing anything other. Yeah than stopping Brexit. And I have had one criticism for a very, very um, a good friend and, and a, a politically savvy friend. And he said, it's, it's tactical suicide. And I thought, you know, I don't want to argue Brexit on tactics. What I want to do is to say honestly what we believe. And we believe that we should, for the good of the country, stop Brexit. And as we speak, a poll has just come out in the Times newspaper, which puts us ahead of Labour. Um, so I think... Personally, I think that clarity is going to go a long way. I think it's going to be a good message on the doorsteps. Well, on that happy note, on that happy note, let's finish. So goodbye from Strasbourg and we will see you again next week in Brussels. We will. you can, if you want to catch up with us, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Caroline Bowden and the Lib Dems group Twitter account is Lib Dem MEPs. And I'm Judith Bunting and I'm, just called Judith Bunting everywhere um, and um, find me and follow me and we love hearing your comments we love hearing your replies on our, our Facebook and our Twitter messages and we love hearing your comments on this so keep listening share us with your friends and um, see you in Brussels bye